Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Our big idea for the day is, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. 1 John 5.21. Enjoy and thanks for listening. What a great introduction. I hope I can live up to that. (laughs) Thanks. I think every year when December comes rolling around, it always amazes me how fast 12 months pass by. And and trust me, the older you get, the faster it goes. I think this is a great time of year to reflect back on things that have happened in the previous year and to contemplate just what lies ahead in the future in 2015. One of the things that kind of helps me to reflect back on the previous year is that uh, I make a a family video each year, and we put it together, and then we all sit together Christmas night, and we watch the video. Just gives me a great chance to reflect back some of the events and some of the things that have happened. And uh, this year, I've I've had a, a significant thing happen to me. I actually celebrated 40 years of being a Christ follower. 40 years. 40 years is a long time. All you need to do is be old to accomplish that. It is a long time, 40 years, to be a Christ follower. It's in October 1974 that I put my faith and trust in Christ alone to save me. I'm just curious, how, how many folks in here are 40 and younger. Just slip up your hand. Keep your hands up for a moment. 40 and younger. Yep, see, just about half the room. Not counting those couple that probably shouldn't have had their hands up. (laughs) 40 years is a long time. A lot of things happen in 40 years. That just kind of signifies that I've been a Christ follower for as long as many of you have been alive. And you would think that being a Christ follower for 40 years, that my friendship with God would be as good as ever. You would think 40 years of being a Christ follower that my walk and my faith in God would be strong and confident. Well, I realized something this past year. And I wasn't very happy about it. And I know God wasn't pleased with me. And that is that God wasn't changing me anymore. And it wasn't because God didn't want to change me. It was because I wasn't letting him change me. I got to a place in my spiritual life where I thought I was okay. I thought things were good. And I realized that there is starting to develop some apathy in my life. And it wasn't a good place. I was getting to a place where I was becoming unresponsive to God. And God convicted me of it. God convicted me of it. He wasn't changing me anymore. I wasn't letting him. You see, when it comes to 
being changed by God, there's only two reasons that God doesn't change you. One is that you think you don't need to be changed. And we know that's an enemy from, that's a, that's a lie from the enemy. Because God wants to change all of us. None of us have arrived at a place where we're perfect. God wants to change us. And the other reason why we're not being changed is because we don't let him. We don't let him. Because God desperately wants to change our lives. Our big idea today is actually found in 1 John 5.21. And it says this, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. This condition that I found myself in, in Christian circles, is actually described by a word, backslider. Backslider. And the definition of a backslider is, to literally, it means turn back or turn away. Turn back or turn away. And it's found all throughout scripture, this condition. And it's described in various different ways. It's described as serving two masters, forsaking the Lord, going our own way, leaving our first love, it says in Revelations, forgetting God, falling away, turning aside in Jeremiah, growing cold, departing from the faith, putting a hand to the plow and looking back as though we're missing something, and salt that has lost its savor. A lot of different ways that scripture describes this condition of backsliding. Backsliding is not a sudden fall or a drop off of a cliff. If it came as a splash of cold water in your face on a hot sweltering day, you would recognize it. But backsliding, you don't typically recognize. It seeps in slowly. You see, our enemy is subtle. And you don't even realize that your heart and your spiritual life is decaying inside. But it happens, and it occurs, and it was occurring in my life. I recently went to the Dominican Republic uh, with uh, a group of people from Valley Point. We were on a missions trip. And while we were down there, I was down there with my brother Steve, and while we were down there, we had a break during one of our projects, and we noticed that some of the people in the village were riding uh, motorbikes. And they would take people from the village into town, and they would, they would you know, pay for that, that service. And so we, me, me and my brother got to thinking, well, can, can we rent a bike? Can, can we get on the bike? So we asked a couple of the guys, and they said, sure, you can rent a bike. I said, how much? They said, $5. I said, $5. I figured we'd be negotiating this. Well, how about, how much is it if I want to drive the bike and take the bike up the mountain and ride around up on the mountain and come back down to the village? How much is it for me to drive? And they said $5. I said $5. You know, because you realize if you ever, like, been on a cruise or something and you had a, an excursion, you know that riding a bike on an excursion is going to cost you, like, $175. This is just another reason why you should go on a missions trip. 
So they said, sure, you guys can drive the bikes, and, and we'll just, we just need to be on the back, and we'll go up with you. So me and my brother, we took off down that dirt road. We were going up to the mountain. It's rocky and bumpy, all these paths and little roads. It's a lot of fun. We stop along the way and look out over the, over the mountainside. It's just a beautiful, beautiful little trip. We got to the top of the mountain, and there was a steep, steep hill. And I looked at the steep hill, and there was rocks and you know, the, the rainfall had washed away some of the, some of the road, and there was a lot of, a lot of um, holes and, and ruts up there. And me being a, a wise man said to myself, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> so the fellow that was with me was Pablo. He's one of our interpreters. He's a terrific guy. I said, Pablo, why don't you drive down this steep hill, and I'll just ride on the back. So I got on the back of the uh, motorcycle, and, and we're going down the hill, and sure enough, even though Pablo was driving, we, we fell, we crashed, we bent up the bike, I cut my knee and burnt my leg, and it, and it, was, it was a tough fall. Physically, I was, I was a wreck. And you know, when you think about backsliding, it's not that way. Because I even saw the warning signs of that, that fall. Sometimes we don't even see the warning signs when spiritually we begin to drift and fall away from God. You don't even realize it until one day you wake up and you say to yourself, you know what? God isn't changing me anymore. He's not changing me anymore. And I need to be changed. I need to be changed. That's how backsliding is. We're going to look at a passage of scripture today. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, we'll, we'll look through... 1 through 15. So if you want to turn in your Bibles or we'll have it up on the screen, that would be fine. I'm going to read uh, verse 1. And it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. And right here in, in, in verse 1, we see that the writer is writing to believers. To believers, brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. This passage of scripture is written to believers. That's important to notice that because as a believer, it's a little bit different when you slide away from God than if you are not a believer. Let me explain this to you. I have a little secret to tell you. And the secret is I am not just a man. You're wondering, what am I, right? <clears throat> I actually am a child of God. That's awesome. And if you have put your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you, you are a child of God also. And so when you think about this backsliding or this drifting away or falling away from God, you see, our position as a child of God never changes. Once you put your faith in Christ alone, you become a child of God. And it's just like a parent and a child relationship. Even if the child drifts away from their parents, the position remains. They're always a child of those parents. And so I knew that I was a child of God, even though I was drifting away. This is, in the Christian world, we call this sanctification. Because once we put our faith and trust in Christ alone, then there's a whole new process that takes over. 
You see, sanctification means to be set apart or sanctified to be made holy. And what God wants to do in my life once I become a child of his is that he wants me to be made holy on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. And it doesn't matter if you've been a a Christ follower for six months, one year, 20, or 40 years. He still wants to change you and make you holy. So when I realized that God wasn't changing me, I knew something was wrong. And as you sit there today and you think about your condition, is God changing you? Is God using that process of sanctification in your life and making you holy? We never get there until we see him face to face. So it's important to recognize that this is written to believers. And uh, let's look at uh, verse 2 through 6. I'm not going to read these verses, but let me explain what's happening here. Um, The writer, who most Bible scholars believe is either Paul or Luke, doesn't matter who wrote it necessarily, but the fact that the writer is not only writing to believers, he's writing to Jewish believers. And this is important as you read this uh, passage of Scripture from verse 2 through 6. Because he's comparing Moses to Jesus. Because you see, as Jewish believers, they they were having a hard time of being obedient to Jesus. Because they thought by being obedient to Jesus, they would be disobedient to Moses. And that's not the case at all. Wasn't the case at all. So the writer explains to them. That Moses was important. He was the house. But Jesus, he created the house. So you can be obedient to Moses and obedient to Jesus at the same time. Jesus was much more important than what Moses was. And then we look at verse 7. I want to read this to you. You can follow along. In verse 7 it says, That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Doesn't matter how long. We all can drift. In verse 10, so I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. You see, Israel was a group of people that were believers in God. As a group, as a nation, they were God's people. And yet they began to drift away from God. And that drift occurred because every time God spoke to them, they hardened their hearts and they refused to obey. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever prompted you in your heart to confess to someone who you've hurt or offended and you didn't? Has God ever prompted you to forgive someone who hurt you and you didn't? Has God ever prompted you in your heart to give out of the goodness of your heart And for some reason, you just kind of forgot about it. And you just kind of dismissed it. And you didn't. 
Has God ever prompted you in your heart to encourage someone or compliment someone or say something nice about someone? And for some reason you thought it was just silly. And you didn't. You see, every time God speaks to us and asks us to do something, regardless of how little or how small, and we refuse to do it, our hearts get harder and harder and harder. And we begin to drift further and further away from God. Is there some things in your, in your life that God has asked you to do and you just didn't do it? You just didn't do it. Backsliding starts in the heart. As you look at that passage of scripture, the heart is mentioned many times, how the Israelites hardened their heart. They didn't want to do it. They thought they knew best for their lives. And they hardened their heart each time. It starts in the heart. In Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart, he actually listens, lists four enemies that are pretty important when it comes to our friendship with God and our walk with God. I'd like to share those with you today. Number one is guilt. Guilt is the principle that I owe you. That simply means that there's something that has happened between us that I did to offend you or hurt you, or I've done something to you. Or maybe it's the guilt where you've actually sinned or did something against God, which, to be honest with you, every time you do something to someone else, you sin against God too. But that's when guilt begins to come into your life. The other day, my wife, Laurie, and I, we took four of our grandkids to the movies. We saw that movie, Unbroken. Great movie. Go see it. Read the book. That's even better. But as we were leaving the movie theater, we had four grandkids who were hyped up on candy. And me and my wife were, were in the front seat and said, we're carrying on. And all of a sudden, my granddaughter starts crying. And we realize that my grandson had said something to her that really hurt her feelings. And so he leaned over and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure he meant it at that moment, but he did say it. You see, guilt is a vicious cycle in our lives. And the more we sweep things under the rug, the more guilt will take over our hearts and it will harden our hearts away from God. It's a vicious cycle. What breaks that vicious cycle of guilt in our lives? It's simple. Confession. Confession. You see, when my grandson leaned over and said, I'm sorry, he's confessing that he did something wrong. And that's what the Bible asks us to do over and over and over again. Confess our sins one to another. Confess and make things right. You see, that takes a lot of humility to admit that we're wrong about a certain situation. And when we decide not to confess in certain situations, the cycle begins and the drift starts. Guilt. Guilt. What God wants us to do is not wait for a situation to occur, but what God wants us to do is he wants to establish a habit of confession in our lives. 
He wants us to establish a habit of confession in our lives. That means every day we go to God and we confess what we've done wrong to him. Or we ask God and say, God, give me a clean heart. Speak to me about things that I've done wrong so that I can confess them. Psalm 51 is is considered the backslider's prayer. And David wrote it because he went through that same condition that I went through. And in Psalm 51, this is what he says. Remove the stain of my guilt and create in me a clean heart. Enemy of the heart is guilt. God's solution is confession. The second one is anger. Anger is an enemy of the heart. And the principle of anger is that you owe me. So you've done something to offend me, or you've done something to hurt me. And there's a debt there. There's a debt there. And sometimes it's, it's, it's something that grows in your heart. And anger, the Bible says, will turn into a bitterness that hardens your heart. And a bitterness that you will just be bound in sin by this anger that we face each and every day in our lives. And sometimes we just dismiss it and say, well, it's their fault. And you suffer. And you drift. And they're not really affected at all. What breaks the cycle of anger? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I know how it is because I'm the same as you. Sometimes we have to wait for someone to ask for forgiveness before we give it. And so if something happens between us, we wait for them to ask for it, or I'm not going to give it. Or, or they've asked three or four times, I'm done. They haven't learned, so why should I forgive them? The Bible says forgive 70 times 70. Because it's about us, it's not necessarily about them. You hold on to that anger and you hold on to that bitterness and and you will begin to drift away from God. And your heart will become harder and harder and harder. Where indifference just happens. It just happens. In Philippians it says this, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. That means that every day we should be going to God and saying, God, I don't want to go to bed angry with anyone. Help me to know. Open up my heart, open up my mind so that I can forgive others. And God will help you do that. The third enemy is this, greed. (laughs) Right at Christmas time. The principle of greed is that I owe me. I owe me. You see, in our spiritual lives, as we begin to wrestle with some of these things and we begin to dismiss them, that peace and contentment, that peace that passes all understanding in our lives as a child of God begins to disappear. That closeness, that friendship with God begins to dissipate. And so as it goes away, we begin to fill that void with things. Things that we believe we owe ourselves. 
And that's greed. The definition of greed is this, an excessive desire to acquire or possess more than what one needs or deserves. It's a cycle. That greed is a cycle. But the cycle can be broken, thanks to God. And we don't need to stay there, thanks to God. Because as we begin to fill that void with things, we suddenly realize that those things are not satisfying my soul. I don't need them. And the solution is generosity. Generosity. Giving things away. Recognizing that everything that we have has been given to us by God, and we need to share them. We need to give it away. I'm not just talking about money and things, but give away your time. Give away your talent. And this greed, this enemy of greed that is out there, unless we establish a habit of giving and being generous on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis, greed will always seep in to your life. The habit guards your heart from greed. The habits of confession guard your heart, guards your heart. So we need to establish those habits. Jesus said in in Luke, he said, guard your heart against every type of greed. Because he knew when greed comes in, you drift and you backslide and you turn away from God. The last one is jealousy. Jealousy is simple. It's a principle that God owes me. God owes me. When you think of jealousy, you think of things other people have, and you envy them. You look around in your life, and you see your neighbor who has a nicer car or a nicer house. You look around, and you see that someone else is better looking than you, like Cameron. And I get jealous because he's so good looking, and I'm not. And I realize that, you know, if God would have made me different, my life would have been different. It would have been better. And so the jealousy is not as much about other people. It's this God owes me because he didn't make me right. He didn't make me right. And that jealousy, when that begins to seep into your life, it hardens your heart. It begins to eat away at your walk with God. What breaks that cycle The habit of celebrating others. The habit of complimenting others and seeing that if God blessed you more than he blessed me, I should be thankful for that and I should celebrate that. I should see the good in other people, not just the bad in other people. I need to celebrate the fact that other people are more successful than I am. That habit of celebration is sometimes tough. Because you think it's silly, but just a compliment. Just saying something nice to someone. And I know that's not hard if you're from Philadelphia, right? But the habit of celebrating other people breaks that, breaks that, that cycle of jealousy. These four enemies help us to focus on specific things, specific enemies of the heart. The very things 
that God wants to change in you and me. There's more enemies, much more. There's a lot of things. And maybe the enemy that you're facing and the enemy that you're dealing with is not on this list of four. Think about where God wants to change you. Where does God want to change you? I want to do three simple takeaways for us today as we wrap up. And these are found in verses 12 through 15, so I'll read through these. It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all the things that belong to Christ. That's that child of God. The inheritance. In verse 15, remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. The first thing we see here is he says, be careful. Be careful. All of us are susceptible to backsliding. All of us can drift from God. If you're a child of God today, you need to be careful. Be careful. This is a great time of year as we turn the page and head into 2015 that we examine our lives and we look at our spiritual conditions and ask yourself, is God changing me? Is God changing me? That second takeaway is this. Warn each other. We are all susceptible. Warn each other. You know, if you see a brother or a sister who is struggling in their faith, you should talk to them. You should talk to them. Just ask them, how are they doing? Be careful. But it is our responsibility to warn each other every day. And here at Valley Point Church, we have some things that we we try to put in place that enable us to chase after God's voice. Because when we chase after God's voice, we're put in a position to obey. It's that child-parent relationship or any relationship. You know that when things start to fall apart in the relationship, one of the first things that happens is that there's a silence. You stop communicating. You stop talking. And then after that, you start just avoiding them. You avoid them. And then what settles in is indifference. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. So one of the things we encourage people to do is come to church every Sunday. Come and hear the voice of God. Don't let there be silence in your relationship with God. Chase after his voice. Come with the mindset that I want God to speak to me. Because when he speaks to me, I want to obey. I don't want my heart to get hard against God. 
We have a new series coming up in January that we're going to kick off. It's one of our uh, favorite series. It's Life Verse. Life Verse starting next week. When you pick a Life Verse, don't just pick it. Don't just memorize it. Live it. Live it. Listen to God's heart, God's voice, and, and don't harden your heart. The second thing we have coming up here at Valley Point is a seminar called Deep Roots. It'll be in January, and we'll be offering two different topics. One will be about marriage, and one will be about beliefs of the Bible. And this is an opportunity for you to chase after God's heart. Chase after God's heart. And listen to his voice and obey. It's interesting because marriage is one of those things that it's, it's tough. Marriage is not easy. It's difficult. Even Nelson Mandela got a divorce. When you think about marriage and the enemies of the heart, you think about things like guilt and anger and greed and jealousy. They're the very things that break up marriages. I want to encourage you to come to those seminars in January. It would be a great chance for you to chase after God's voice and obey him. And then, of course, in February, we'll be starting up our life groups. Get connected in a life group. Make a commitment for four months from February to May that I am going to chase after God's voice. And I'm going to let him speak to me. And I'm going to connect and put myself in an environment with other people who are chasing after the same things. Allow God to change you. Give him a green light. And then the third takeaway is this. Obey God's voice. Obey God's voice. It's simple. When you do hear him, when he does prompt you to do something or not do something, obey. Obey. When Eric had uh, asked me to, to talk today, I really struggled with what to speak on. And then I realized that I had to share my story. And to be honest with you, I was a little embarrassed to share it with you. I mean, here I am, uh, executive pastor of a church on staff, Christ follower for 40 years. It's tough to share that I started to drift away from God and he wasn't changing me anymore. But then as I studied this, I realized that it's all over Scripture. And I think we all face this challenge every day of our lives. I know for me, I had to put some things in place in my life to to come back. And it wasn't a big deal. You don't have to get all your life straightened out in order to turn back to God. As a matter of fact, just one small step. One small step. What is God prompting in your heart today? That one small step. Where does he want to change you today? I have a feeling there's something that he's speaking to you about. And today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. God wants to have a fantastic relationship with you. He wants you to experience his best. And we can only do that when we obey his voice. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come and to to share your word. 
And I just pray, Lord, that it would not return back to us void right now, but that we would be encouraged by it, that we would be strengthened by it. I pray, Lord, for each and every person in the room today, as you speak to their, to their hearts and you prompt them in their hearts, that we would obey, that we wouldn't harden our hearts, but we would do what you're asking us to do. Lord, give us the courage to do that. Help us to understand the consequences when we don't. As children of God, Lord, I pray that we would be all that you want us to be in our relationship. Father, I pray that if there's someone in this room today that knows they need to speak to someone, may need to make things right, that they would do it and not put it off and not sweep it under the rug. Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts and that we would be right with you and we would allow you to change us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.